2: If you're watching this, if you've got friends that are still asleep, give them a call right now and tell them that Katsuyo Shibata is about to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr. in 2021. A five-minute exhibition match. Here we go. What an incredible moment. Edge returning last
0: year at the Rumble Christian this year. See the emotion in both women's faces. You have to put
3: it in the past. You forget about it. Bianca's on the verge of tears right now.
2: Oh. Wow. Wow. World wow. Champion. You know what I do? I pull out the Glock, put it on his forehead, Jeez. and spill his brains all over the concrete. Zero. 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 That's, That's what I've that heard for
1: seven crites. years. I heard you. I heard you. <speaking Luis favourite> and we got a lot to cover. <speaking> Let's fuck it.
3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Post Wrestling's Best of 2021 show. I am John Pollock, joined by Wei Ting, and of course, it is the year-end get-together with the crew from Up Next, Davey Portman and Braden Harrington, who is back in the country specifically for this show. Uh, welcome back, Braden.
2: Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, you know, I don't care about New Year's
4: Eve, but I wasn't going to miss this show. I mean, Braden, it's the first... Premium audio event of the year, is it not? You couldn't couldn't miss this one. Day one. yeah. Day two. (laughs) That's right. We're here. We could
2: not miss this opportunity. Of course, we were supposed to do this in person with you two, and our hearts are broken that, you know, the way the world is going right now, we can't. But thank God for the internet.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, you, you two positively made that impossible. So we were uh, <laughs> unable to get together, but we will uh, take a rain check on that. I, I hope to see you two in the, uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, we will, maybe we'll do, uh, we'll do lunch. We'll
2: uh, we do a social distance
4: <laughs> hangout. We'll hang out on your porch. It'll be great. It'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I feel once we get those boosters in us, we, the two of us will never, it'll be the most immune we've ever been. We'll will be it? unstoppable. Not, we'll be unstoppable. No yeah. one can mess with us. <laughs>
3: uh right. what a threat for everybody out there. Way, how are you? <laughs> Another year in the books and here we are to recap it all. Was this was this a tough year to go through and decipher and did you did you keep any notes throughout the year because I tried and fell apart by the summer and thus I I always try at the beginning of the year to keep like uh, an ongoing list but it always falls apart.
0: Yeah, I tried that the year prior and um it just, to me, doesn't necessarily work out. And the way I go through the list is, is usually a bit of a combination of a bit of research, but largely re- relying on I think what comes to the top of mind for me. Um, if if it hasn't been great enough or bad enough to leave an impression, it, it probably won't be on this list. It's probably a good um
3: kind of uh, rule of thumb, Davy, is that for the best of show, I think like the winners should almost come to mind pretty quickly worst of i think you have to do a lot more digging to to remember because it's kind of out of sight out of mind but i think for a lot of the best ofs i'm always curious because there's usually a lot of crossover between our picks
4: I, i think so and and this this year's list was actually pretty easy apart from match of the year and and i think that was one where one came to my mind right away and it's maybe not one that other people would go for, and therefore I've been doubting myself. But using kind of ways, rule of thumb, it's like, well, if that's the first thing that comes to my head, it must be there for a reason. So...
3: We'll find out if The Fiend's name comes up on this show, or, <laughs> it, is, uh, or it is reserved. So we have uh, numerous categories to go through, and we also have last year's winners. So those are always fun to kind of compare to uh, what we were thinking last year and what we were thinking this year. So let us kick off the Best of 2021 show with Best Non-wrestling media. So this is not an in-ring product. This is something, uh, it can be a book. It can be a podcast. It can be a documentary, a documentary series. Uh, so looking for kind of non-in-ring uh, media that was put out there. Last year, Davey, you chose the New Day Feel the Power episode uh, that took place uh, right after the uh, the murder of George Floyd uh, that they did a tremendous show on. Um, myself, or sorry, Way and Braden chose season two of Dark Side of the Ring, and I chose uh, two books, which was uh, Pat LaProdd and Bertrand Bear's Eighth Wonder of the World book on Andre the Giant and Shamrock by Jonathan Snowden. So for this particular year, let's start off with Brayden with Best Non-Wrestling Media.
2: I mean, you know I love my honorable mentions, John, so I have to give the biggest honorable mention to Botchamania because through the quarantine pandemic, we get mad when we don't see episodes uploaded, and they, they help us. They give us the laughs, and they, po- they poke fun at all the wrestling. So Botchamania still is, is close in our hearts. But I'm going for uh, a back-to-back here because this season on Dark Side of the Ring had quite possibly the best episode, in my opinion. It's something that you can talk to non-wrestling fans about. It's almost a party trick now, a little bit of tidbit of information, and it's the North Korea episode specifically <laughs> that one just blew my mind you have no you don't know how many times i've brought this up into conversation and people are like wait is this is this real uh, i recently felt the same way i got off the plane the other day from mexico and i pulled the rick flair meaning i got off the plane, and kissed the ground of my native country because I was so happy to be back. But this episode, I, I've watched I, I it I would twice. imagine
3: some health officials probably took issue yeah, with that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that,
0: that I was great. also wondering if you're uh, referencing a different uh, Ric Flair plane yeah. episode. As
2: this soon episode. as I said it, I regretted it, but I'm happy you caught that way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely love Dark Side of the Ring, but that episode specifically, I've never rewatched an episode, but that one I have because not only did it like blow my mind because who knew Scott Norton was such a badass – Um, but also like, it was just funny. It was so funny and terrifying at the same time. So that one, those guys do a killer job at that stuff. But yeah, that's my pick.
3: Yeah. Nothing screams comedy like, uh, North Korean dictatorships. Uh, Davey Portman, your best non-wrestling media of 2021.
4: Yeah. I I think following on from Darkseid, it's been a great year for, for documentaries. We have had those A&E ones as well. And there seemed to be a period of time where every week there were, some really good documentaries coming out. Um, I, however, I am going to go with, I I was tempted to go for Botchamania because that has been something I've really enjoyed this year and has kind of, our late nights after recording uh, Up Next or AEW, it's something we often put on. Um, But I've got to go for Brian uh, Brian Mann's Hangman Page, Kenny Omega feud, uh, like YouTube series. What did he Uh, call it? The good, the bad and the good the bad and the elite the elite and the elite yeah yeah um so good and and really getting uh everyone kind of hyped up for that um that main event match at full gear um i i thought it was just so well put together and just showed like what an incredible uh feud and story it's been especially for hangman page
3: yeah a, a great uh selection way your best non-wrestling media
0: yeah, I definitely want to give honorable mentions to the good, the bad, and the elite. And, you know, not just the great work of Brian May compiling it all, but of course the work of the people that created all that original content in the first place. You know, people who, uh, I mean, are... are are, are featured in it. Uh, of course, you know people like Brandon Cutler for the, their hard work on BTE every single week. Um, a wonderful resource to. I mean, it's not really something you could do too often because how many storylines span so many different media platforms across you know years at this point. Um, but I'm hoping we get another version of it at some point. But my my best non wrestling media for the year. We'll go to Dark Side of the Ring season three, much like Braden. Um, I thought the entire season was pretty strong. Uh, but for me, some particular standouts are the ones focusing on you know people that are no longer with us. The Brian Pillman part, part one and two, um, is showing the world you know like the, uh, uh, you know who this person is, and I think doing a whole lot for Brian Pillman Jr. That um, I I think he. You know, like he's certainly like become a much bigger personality in my mind, thanks to the episode, Um, the Dynamite Kid episode, I thought was really fantastic. And of course, the double life of Chris Canyon. So those are some of my standouts for the season.
3: Uh yeah, there were there, there were several that that jumped out at me. I thought for Dark Side of the Ring I really enjoyed the Brian Pillman episode. Even the A&E ones with some of the criticism that came with them, I did think that they presented strong ones on Bret Hart and Mick Foley that I enjoyed quite a bit. But my pick this year is a book, uh and that is uh, Mox by John Moxley. Uh this was one that I think is not going to get a whole lot of spotlight because he ended up you know removing himself from television to go into rehab right as he was going to start the book tour it was the same week um that his whole media tour was set to begin so i think this is one that kind of got um overlooked or just didn't get a lot of media spotlight on it but in terms of a guy that you know for, for reading so many of these wrestling books one of the biggest things for me is how quickly they can kind of find their voice and i think people like mick foley Chris Jericho, they are kind of the gold standard of like, it just comes through. And John Moxley hit that tone instantly in this book. I think he's an incredibly, incredibly talented writer. I would hope that he uh, writes in the future uh, because his career is not over yet. There's probably there to me was still a lot left that he could dive into. And it also covered a lot of lesser known figures in less covered periods, like the rise of him in CZW and putting an attention on th- different wrestlers that came up in that scene and giving a lot of spotlight. I think this whole year, I think, gave a lot more respectability to deathmatch wrestling like there is uh, i think a lot whether it's begrudging respect or just outright respect i think people see it in a different light this year uh, john moxley being one of those contributing factors uh, to it so this is a really excellent book when it comes to just him giving his really unfiltered thoughts it's a really well-written book and that would be my choice for best non-wrestling media
2: what was the best uh, cesaro joke in it, because I know what there was the Antonio jokes throughout the whole thing, right? I saw Yeah, those I, I
3: actually don't have any off the top of my head, but those were like a nice recurring bit. Like every so often, he would just throw in a Cesaro joke uh, that he would said that this guy sounds like he's just uh, a riot to be around, Waiting or for that he would hook. just hate these jokes. It's certainly a uh, <laughs> or you can have two opinions.
2: The story with Moxley talking about Vince McMahon and the ice bucket, the ice machine uh that was story I, I saw the excerpt of that somewhere oh, I read that oh man that sound that sounded so funny
3: yeah yeah uh kevin dunn certainly gets uh gets his comeuppance in the, in this book <laughs> gets the well. rub yeah so <laughs> there's uh the, the, the man is it's it's what you would expect out of a john moxley book i'm not going to put it at the absolute top tier of wrestling books but it's high up there i was very impressed uh with this book next up is best series bracket in ring and the text came in from one person on this panel <laughs> last night. Can you clarify for me what best series in ring means? And my I think response... I text you
4: this every year, John.
3: <laughs> I, I, I think you have as well. And my response was best wrestling show. This is okay. a show that features wrestling matches. So last year, uh, well, last year it was a clean sweep uh, because everyone chose AEW Dynamite so we will see if it is a a repeat this year Uh, I will kick things off uh, for this year and I am choosing AEW Dynamite once again Uh, we watch so much wrestling uh, but I cannot say that there are too many Wednesdays where I sit down and I'm not looking forward to two hours where I know it's not just great wrestling. You're typically going to get a few great promos in there. Sometimes it's cramming way too much into the two hour format. And I do think that is a, a relevant criticism to the show, but any series that in a year just threw us so much from Omega and Phoenix at the beginning of the year, the lights out match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker, uh, that gave you matches with Minoru Suzuki, Tomohiro Ishii, Yuji Nagata, Nick Gage, and Juventud Guerrera in the same year. Um, MJF and his rise throughout this year, I, I just I don't think anything touched AEW Dynamite on a weekly basis.
2: Hey, so, wasn't there also you. Shaq and Snoop Dogg as well? So like, yeah, you had it all uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this past really year.
3: <laughs> way, are you going in uh, the same direction, or did something else crack your list?
0: there there's nothing else it, it, to me is is also AEW dynamite um and you know this is coming from i think my my consumption of it which is not every single wrestling show that exists out there but primarily what WWE and AEW offers and of the, it's not much of a competition let's be honest you know of the shows that i watch uh but i i think the best evidence i have of this choice is the fact that we just had a week off where i didn't have to watch that much wrestling but I willingly sat down on a Wednesday and watched all two hours of, of Dynamite and thoroughly enjoyed myself. So it is the most consistent show that is out there. It is the best wrestling show uh, of the year, two years in a row.
3: Yeah, Braden does yeah. The, does it. Is it unanimous?
2: I I think so. I, honestly, you you guys already said it all. It's like when I don't watch when I think of the other stuff. AEW's only been around for this many years, but I guess it's like aiming towards. Me, specifically. I'm a 30-year-old male, and that's what I guess they're aiming for because WWE is something I have like not watched. Besides NXT and some of the pay-per-views this year, they still piss me off whenever I dabble in. I just watched Brock Lesnar win the title. I can't say that pissed me off, but it did make me chuckle. <laughs> but uh, Dynamite is something – I was off this week too. I was stuck in Mexico, but I knew Wednesday night – is the new Monday night used to be? You wake up, and you, you know Monday nights are for Monday Night Raw, and that used to be the thing. And now that is completely out of my head. And Wednesdays is like, ah, oh, well, I could spare two hours. Better turn it on. It's it's eight o'clock, and it's something that I, we've we do BD Elite every Wednesday night as well. And just like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like work. It feels like we're just watching a show that I genuinely like watching, and it's so much fun. And I I can't wait to see where they go with it in two thousand twenty one. Uh, they've just been even even when it's a bad episode of Dynamite, it's still fun to watch.
4: And Davey, is it four yeah, for four? Clean sweep. Um, yeah, I, I wanna continue from that. Like I wasn't too high on this last week's episode of Dynamite, but it's by no means bad. You know, I I never end that show and feel like I've had my time wasted. Sometimes I might be like, Oh, it's maybe not quite as good as it always is, but that's because they set a bar so high. When you've got An hour-long draw between Hangman and Bryan on your weekly television. That's like the bar they're setting. And I think they they meet that bar regularly. I think it's... uh, All the characters are exciting. Um, The storytelling, for the most part, is pretty good and consistent. They don't treat you like an idiot. They they honour kayfabe. They don't pretend the rest of the wrestling world doesn't exist. Even what we're seeing right now with the Undisputed Era they're like they know they know you saw them all on nxt and we know it's the completely opposite edict in wwe you come in and you're a new character you leave one of wwe's own shows to move to another show and you're a new character i i never feel insulted watching AEW uh and dynamite in particular except matt hardy
2: (laughs) except too much matt hardy we'll get there later (laughs) that's the other show next week
4: uh,
3: yeah, so there you go. AEW Dynamite, 4 for 4 last year, 4 for 4 this year. Uh, so please, I welcome all the uh, the comments from people that have uh, very you know grounded views on reality. <laughs> Next up, we go to Most Improved Performer. In 2020, Davey selected Raquel Gonzalez, Brayden Harrington, Hangman Page, Wei chose Sonya Deville, and I had Yuya Uemura. So this year, Most Improved Performer. We go to Davey Portman. Who made the greatest gains in 2021?
4: Um, I'm going to go to, at, towards the beginning of the year, I was uh, writing the impact reports and doing a bit of a show called Deep Impact before uh, the world started to open up again. And uh, I'm going to go to there to talk about my most improved performer. Josh Alexander has had a fantastic year. I think when the North broke up and you saw Ethan Page going to uh aw was kind of worried because I, I i like josh alexander as a performer but i don't i haven't thought in the past he's necessarily the most charismatic person and someone who might not break through and would be uh, maybe a little lost i think uh he's he's just grown since since the north split he's had some fantastic matches um the uh like the match with Christian, the match against TJP, that like hour long Man match was awesome. Um, that there was a five way X division match I really enjoyed. Um, and I think just his, his character, that whole build to the, the match against Christian, where it was just showing his past and his injuries and, and being signed, like wasn't <laughs> able to work in Canada. It like made him such a compelling baby face for, uh, for that feud. And, I just think it's a real shame we never like got that kind of Kenny Josh Alexander match yeah. when the, that door was open because I think that would have like absolutely banged and I think of I think of impact. I can't say there's that many performers on that show. there's a lot of very good performers, but I can't say there are many I put at that like star level and Josh Alexander, I think broke through this year. Yeah.
3: I had Josh Alexander down here as my, my honorable mention, and I kind of went back and forth. Uh, ultimately, I went with an individual who, on January 27th, appeared on an episode of NXT, but by the end of the year, he was associated more so with another brand. That was Daniel Garcia, who uh, had an incredible breakout year uh, wrestling all over the place and you know, getting a large platform in AEW And not just some bit role either. He was put in some very high-profile matches. He's now involved in a feud with Eddie Kingston. And I think more than anything, I think it just showed you, uh, like, he typifies the difference between AEW and NXT this year, that Daniel Garcia in that NXT system, I don't think we would be talking about Daniel Garcia at the end of the year. And instead, he is looked upon as one of the um, big stars to come uh, that had an incredible uh, breakout year. But a great... I think choice and Josh Alexander, who to me uh, rose his game significantly, not just I mean, he has been a solid performer for years, uh, but it was also in that role as a main event level performer that sit down he did with Christian Cage going into bound for glory. I thought he was tremendous in and, um, you know, a a real like homegrown star that impact can hang its hat on. But my my choice was Daniel Garcia waiting. Where did you go with most improved?
0: I have a few honorable mentions here, you know, um, first of all, I mean, I think we have to talk about Ty Conti. and uh, what a way to close out a year with uh, as part of that street fight. Um somebody who I I think has made tremendous strides throughout her entire time in AEW, but especially over the past year. Um Tama Tonga in the G1 this year was my most improved. Um, somebody who I was <laughs> definitely don't look forward to you know, seeing their name appear on the G one every year, but this year I thought he was uh, very good, along with his brother, very improved. Um, but my most improved performer of the year goes to a guy who started off the year with with this abysmal Twitch Best Man gimmick, um, and really was not doing much of note. But uh, at some point, broke up with the team with Kip Sabian and went on to me a fantastic TNT Tuttle run. And subsequently developed this persona that with these promos that I have no idea where he came from. This is the best version of this person that I've seen, and that includes Rusev, Day, that includes the Tank, that includes everything. Uh, and my most improved performer of 2021 is Miro.
3: Look at that. Okay, so three different picks. Braden, you finish up uh, most improved.
2: Yeah, I mean Miro is totally in that category because he was he was like everyone just went well. It shows you suck. The whole thing with Kip Sabian, I could not stand. And uh, now he's a character that, A, the, the ring work has been excellent and he keeps getting better. So definitely, uh, mine's a little left field. Uh, not so much. I, last year I picked Hangman, not because I didn't think he was already great. I just think he, he got to that next level. He got to the guy mm-hmm. level for me last year. And this pick I have, I have a person, but I think I, I should really add two people to the list. It should be a tag team because I have written down Jungle Boy because he had that amazing little TV feud with Kenny Omega for the world title and I was just like, dude, you are so awesome. I can't wait till you become Jungle Man. And they kind of did that angle where he what chair he concertoed someone in that match and then he, he quote unquote became Jungle Man. And I... I think he didn't shave for a few weeks. Yeah, like he had the <laughs> beard and everything. And I was just like, oh man, you're sick. Beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you grew a beard. You grew a beard. But that's where I'm like, yo, also, every time you see a, a Jurassic Express match, the crowd is just going bonkers for the dinosaur. Luchasaurus is someone you look at and you go, this is so silly. This is so dumb. And then you watch him wrestle and you're like, okay, this is awesome. Uh, I was stuck in quarantine with a younger brother who does not know anything about AEW. And I showed him Jurassic Express, and it was that exact reaction. He laughed, he scoffed, and then two minutes into the match, he was watching this. He was getting into it. And I think it would be a shame if Jurassic Express don't win the tag titles in 2021. They're just on this great roll. They're so over. We went to Grand Slam. The crowd was going bonkers for these guys. So again, not saying they weren't awesome already, but Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are just these characters that are so silly to me, but I can't stop watching and getting invested. But I, I love both of them. I can't wait to see Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, become a big deal uh, down the line in in the world of wrestling, because I love him.
3: Okay, and let's not spoil anything for Brayden, because he hasn't watched Dynamite from this past Wednesday, where Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus challenged for the tag titles, and we're not going to spoil that outcome.
2: I did watch that. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying, like, hey, maybe they, maybe they win them. Okay, Maybe. All right. Uh next we go to
3: best gimmick and uh this so, one I do we not have best
0: broadcaster, John? Oh,
3: okay, I had a different order here. I had best, oh. we can do best broadcaster <laughs> next. Let's do best broadcaster. Okay, so last year I chose Chris Charlton. Way went with the dynamite team of Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, and Braden and Davey chose Tony Schiavone, isolating uh, the voice. (laughs) It's the earrings from WCW. WCW. (laughs) Uh, So we'll see if we get any repeats uh, this year. So let's let's start off with Braden Harrington with best broadcaster.
2: I mean, it's got to be Taz because he sings, right? When Taz does Ruby Soho, it's better than any of your favorite broadcasters any point. Uh, I do have Taz because I have been loving him filling in, whether it's his Taz technique or stuff. But on, on the real, I'm going to go with Excalibur. This guy teaches me wrestling moves and stuff that I don't know. And I know he's been doing it for a little while, but I'm soloing him out here. Because if you don't like Jim Ross, he's he's got Excalibur there to literally pick up the pieces or, or things or fill in the gaps that you don't know. I, I like the the group of all three of them, but I do like when Taz comes in there. I guess I should just say the AEW team, but Excalibur for me knows what he's doing. It's, it's shocking that he's someone that only kind of showed up on TV in the past few years. I know he's been doing commentary for quite a while on lower scales, but I just, I think he sells things to me. He makes things matter to me, especially on some of the big matches and, and like your Di- dynamite main events he fills in the story, even if you've never watched before. And he knows all the moves. In fact, it can be annoying, the fact that he knows every single move. It's very rare when he messes up. There was one time when he messed up a move, and Tony Schiavone mm. corrected him, and I thought that was really funny. But I, I, I love this guy. He's great. He needs to take off the mask, though. <laughs> you're, you're a commentator. Take it off. Yeah, it's Why kind of not? his thing. I disagree. <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I think
2: you I'm Sorry, you got but got it. You're not like a take off the mask at commentary, are you? Come on. <laughs> I, I love Excalibur, though. I think he's great
3: next we go to way with best broadcaster of 2021
0: yeah you know I, I usually like to pick teams for this uh category and and that would be the same this year really encompassing both of Braden's picks uh because because, because my best broadcaster is taz and excalibur you know to me they are the uh we've we've had aw rampage debut this year and really kind of taking their great chemistry from dark over to the broadcast team and uh they they've, they've 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 had a rotating roster of guest hosts between Chris Jericho, Mark Henry and now Ricky Starks but to me the constants and the 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 two that actually make that whole thing work are of course Taz and Excalibur. They bring an equal uh, amount of I think focus on in-ring action um and, and ability to build story and in terms of Taz, you know, great, great personality and and not necessarily completely He'll stiff either somebody who can improvise and somebody who can um, get excited what he needs to but focus on the wrestling and call the judo moves when he needs to as well. So it's Taz it and Exc- Excalibur for me.
3: Uh, let's go to Davey Portman, who, if you're watching the video, one of the things I really uh, enjoy doing this on video is that when I throw out the category, Davey will like look up as though I'm just throwing these at random at him, and he's just off the top of his head uh, naming these. And I think finishing that, his list. <laughs> no, it gives a real spontaneity uh, to his picks. Uh, but Davey, <laughs> you're your best broadcaster. You're on the spot. Go.
4: For me it is taz uh, I think for many reasons I find him very entertaining with like the singing as as uh, Brayden mentioned and and we do like watching Botchomania, and it is the taz bit we always taz! get really excited <laughs> yeah, we lose it <laughs> what he said on like dark or elevation or one of those shows um but just also his the detail he he gives that uh I mean Excalibur's fantastic at like knowing all the moves and and the history but uh, we were re-watching uh Danielson Suzuki last night and and just the uh Taz explaining why Suzuki is trying to move onto his side as the cattle mutilations applied. It it was so much more detail whereas normally most commentators would be like, oh and Suzuki's trying to get out of the hold where he was really explaining in detail what Suzuki's doing to like release that pressure and try and get out. Um, and I think also uh, the the kind of three-man team of J.R., Excalibur, and Tony They're great, but they're all a little samey And it is nice to have a bit more of a, a heel And I think Taz never over-pushes it Where it's unbearable, where it's just bickering But it's nice to have someone there just kind of prodding the other two And like poking a little bit as well Um, I I think Taz is great And I actually, I quite... Great to have Jr. back, but I did miss Taz on this week's time. How,
2: how awesome was it that he got to call Hook's match, like yeah. the first one specifically? I don't know how the guy wasn't balling, but <laughs> I thought that was awesome to hear him call his own son's first TV match too. I thought that was great.
3: Yeah, I think he's a terrific add-on to the whole presentation of Hook. Like that technique by Taz this week, just running down like the Red Rum and it, you know, the the evolution of the Taz mission. Like I, I think he's a great. I just enjoy him calling Hooks matches uh, the two that we've seen so far. Uh, But I went a different direction. I did have Taz here as an honorable mention. I thought he had a great year. But I'm going with someone who I thought really gave a lot of benefit to companies that were, you know, got to see some growth this year because of their expansion with English commentary. So I chose Stuart Fulton, who has called a lot of different products, but namely, uh, this year, uh, Pro Wrestling Noah. I think he was a big gateway for people, as well as uh, doing some stardom shows on top of it this year. I think that it is a big leap for some people to uh, expose themselves to new products that are in a foreign language, and I think it's a must for these companies that want to... uh, grow their streaming services to have that English commentary option. And as we've seen with some shows, the idea of just having English commentary is not enough. You have to have knowledgeable people that know these characters and stories inside and out. And the team of Stuart Fulton and Mark Pickering are that. And um, I, I just, I'm a, I'm a real big fan of, of his work and what he was able to do for these companies this year in terms of growing its audience.
2: I mean, honorable mention goes to Pat McAfee, because he just gets me. I don't even know. I don't watch SmackDown sometimes, but when I watch the clips on Twitter, he gets me so hyped for stuff that I'm not hyped about. (laughs) So I have to say he's doing a good job and honorable mention. I hope someone we see on a different, in a different company doing the same gig is Ian Riccoboni. Uh, I, I think he's great too. So I would like to see him show up as well.
3: All right. Now it is time for best gimmick. Um, this can be interpreted like best character you, you enjoy, however you would like to define it. Um, Let's start off with Wei Ting, with Best Gimmick of 2021.
0: Yeah, uh, I definitely want to give honorable mention here to somebody who last year was on the most underutilized list. And that is Malachi Black, somebody who, oh God, I think has made quite a transformation. You know, really would have fit with the most improved category as well, but... To me, he's somebody who, when I think about best gimmick, I think about the best character and the best showmanship and the best, you know, really kind of thought put into it. He would be an honorable mention. But to me, I have to give my best gimmick of the year to Kenny Omega, belt Collector. Uh, to me, this is something that's somewhat unprecedented in modern professional wrestling. The fact that we can have one champion go across several promotions and win championships and headline all of those shows, um, I think it it's, a to me, a representative of... Oh, like one, one of the biggest things about the year and, and, that, and it's the fact that i don't want to use the term so i'm not going to but you know the fact that we've had opening um uh entryways to uh
2: <laughs> various promotions that was the uh, impact way of saying it that was the tna version of saying it open ways
0: one of my resolutions 2022 not to use it but don't kenny Omega, bell collector i
2: yes. didn't even think of that as a as a gimmick if that yeah that's 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 quite true i i I have written down Malachi Black, but now, Way, you've kind of convinced me that that is. You, you, could, you could argue that some people maybe weren't too high on the eventual run of, of that Kenny belt collecting thing, but in the end, it had so many people discussing it, talking about it, watching, tuning into all these different companies and promotions. I watched Triple Mania i watched the most AAA wrestling I've watched in a long time because...
4: Were you stuck in Mexico for a month? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were airing it on TV, <laughs> actually, the replays of it, even months and months later. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to step in and, and literally steal and, and piggyback off way here because I, too, thought Malachi Black was so cool for bringing his gimmick and even the eye and continuing the story. Like, he's almost the same guy evolving. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I love the videos and, and the spooky talk. But really... Way you've convinced me that yeah, the bell collector was a was a, an angle, was a story and a gimmick, and uh, I I was very interested in it, so I'm picking that as well.
3: Um, I'll go next, and I would say if we had pulled each other um, midway through the year, uh, my slam dunk pick for best gimmick would have been Hit Row. I thought this was one of the freshest acts that WWE had cultivated. I thought it was just an unbelievable act, and then they were drafted to SmackDown and. I was pessimistic about this group going to SmackDown. I could not have possibly fathomed that they would all be gone within months, and this thing is but a memory, uh, as we talk about. So I cannot say this was best gimmick of the year, but it was maybe best gimmick of the half year. Uh, This year, I went with um, maybe an unconventional pick, but I thought his work in Game Changer Wrestling was fantastic, and that was Matt Cardona, Mm. who I thought, when guys get... When guys leave WWE, especially ones that have largely been lifers in that company, you're going to go one of two ways. You're either going to just live off of your name value from WWE television and do your spots, and it's going to be diminishing returns, and you're and it's sort of just looking back instead of looking forward. Or you blow everything up, and you understand what the audience perceives of you and play it to your advantage, and this guy played it. Perfectly uh, this year. I think he was phenomenal. Uh, He helped in a great way in Game Changer Wrestling's growth. Like I think GCW is one of the success stories of the year and Matt Cardona should certainly be in that list of contributing factors the lead up to the match with Nick Gage, um, that the night he showed up and everyone thought it was Moxley and he, <laughs> he's in disguise. Um, that was like a great moment. Uh, GCW has been on top of so many of these like wrestling viral moments and he was a key part of several of them. And just someone that I think totally tapped into understanding the audience. And I, I definitely had a, a newfound respect for Matt Cardona, understanding like what, um, what a smart individual this guy was in terms of navigating his post-WWE career this year, mainly his work in GCW, because I uh, I have not followed Impact as, as closely, but it seems like if you're reflecting on this year, it's the GCW work of Matt Cardona that you're going to lean on. Davey, best gimmick.
4: Uh, I mean, I think this is such a, like, defining gimmick. You could look at, say, like, NMJF, and I don't really think of it as a gimmick Because it feels so real But when you think about it It, it is a fantastic gimmick How I take this category is more like the The cartoon characters we have Like on, on screen Your Undertakers, your Canes, your Fiends the poker of, players The poker players, exactly And I feel like I'm, I'm going to lose some credibility here And next year when John reads out uh, our picks uh, I'll be shaking my head but just don't I, say bo- don't say Boa, way will ban you. It, it, it's not Boa, but I'm going to give a bit of love to 2.0 because oh, we're going to eviscerate them later on. I'm going to go with woke Joe yeah, Gacy. Um <laughs> it's when the character first came on screen along with the whole show was scratching my head just going what the fuck and I've got to say like have to watch this show every week. Joe Gacy has him like this character has developed more and more each week. I like it. I think it works with Haaland. I like how it's getting people angry, both on the far right and the far left. I just find it funny. It got our highest viewed video on, <laughs> on YouTube ever. When we talked when about it, about, the
2: Forbes article about him. <laughs> yeah, um, I,
4: I think I think you can see the guy has has a, a lot of talent and I think he's quite creative. You see the stuff he's sort of done before WWE And this is a character that is working in that kind of cartoon world and I think does have legs. And I am interested to see if he recruits more people. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to give the the one little bit of love to NXT 2.0 today and give best gimmick of the year to Joe Gacy. Wow,
2: stay woke. (laughs) Stay woke. This is a safe
3: space. (laughs) Well, that's uh, that's some fine charity uh, demonstrated by Davy. <laughs> <laughs> or
2: that's as we we'll awesome. call him,
3: sorry, sorry, little woke boy on the right.
4: that's right. Little woke boy on the right. That's, that's John. John well, uh did you read our picks from last year? I'm just curious. Uh, for best
3: gimmick, uh yeah. maybe I skipped them over. You're right. Uh, it was myself, Way, and Davey uh, Sorry, myself, Way, and Davy chose the tribal chief Roman Reigns, and
2: Brayden went with John Silver because he's always hungry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Nice. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Next category is best on the mic. It was a clean sweep last year. All four of us selected Eddie Kingston. Uh, in 2021, we will start off with uh, Braden with best on the mic.
2: Yeah. Hey, Eddie Kingston, obviously last year he he came into play. There was the whole Moxley feud. This year, Eddie Kingston, again, just anytime he speaks, even in this weird throwaway comments, the one, the stuff with Punk, where he just randomly starts fighting with punk backstage. I thought that was amazing. Uh, but I'm going for best on the mic 2021 MJF. Uh, this guy can say anything and I hate him. He's doing his job perfectly. He looked like an absolute god in his hometown on that one episode of Dynamite. And he, he managed to do this whole Bizarro World thing. But anytime this guy says stuff, he just eviscerates people. And you could say that he goes too far sometimes, but... That's what I like in my wrestling. I like people who push these buttons. So if you're getting offended, he's doing his job and he he never goes too far over the top. I know like even Bully Ray must admit that MJF is a good heel because this guy just makes me so mad and I I obviously we we can talk about the MJF CM Punk like verbal back and forth that we've been seeing as of late at the end of the year here. It's stuff like that that definitely sticks in my head. But even before that, anytime he's feuded with what Pillman Junior., he brings in the dark side of the ring stuff, and just anytime he talks, he's he's such an ass, and he is just a great character. Even the the bidding war of twenty twenty four, that whole shtick is so funny. I, I I love this guy, and I think I love to hate him. So he's like the the one true heel in wrestling right now. And I anytime he talks, didn't he threaten? Uh, what did he say about Punk's dog? That definitely put me over the edge. I was like, dude, even for me, that's just mean, and I laughed. Uh, I, I thought, I think he's amazing. He can do no wrong.
3: I chose MJF as well. I think clearly the the best talker in the industry. He's 25 years old, and I think he just has such a grasp on so much of what. Um, of uh, uh, Just having so much uh, dialed in. I think he is somebody that comes out. It feels like a big event when he comes out for a big promo segment, whether it's with, with Punk, uh, with, with the stuff with Brian Pillman Jr. this year, with Sammy Guevara, and a guy that had some excellent matches this year. I mean, his match with Sammy Guevara on TV, with Darby Allin at the, uh, the November pay-per-view, like he... I think people are coming around on just, like, what a well-rounded performer this guy is beyond just uh, the the verbal ability. And it's um, I think it's remarkable to watch that here he is at 25 and where he will be um, in two years, much less five. Way, which way did you go with Best on the Mic?
0: MJF as well. You know, aside from everything that you guys mentioned, this is also a guy who started his own faction this year and uh, managed to give a a whole lot of his value as a mouthpiece to several other guys uh who i think have all benefited from it so mjf
4: and Davey, it's a clean sweep uh yeah i i don't think he can be touched uh aw though like is a like it was n- known as like the wrestling company but it's really the promo company as well they've got so many good people on the mic and i feel like this this punk mjf feud we've got going on and i and I feel almost we're going to get the same with Jericho and Eddie Kingston that they're setting up. You're almost looking forward to these promo battles as much as the match at the end of it all. Um, but MJF, especially for how young he is, he's, he's incredible. Just, just feels so confident. You're never worried whenever he's talking that he's going like, to slip up or break character or anything. He's, just, uh, he's very, very good and has some awesome cutting lines.
2: That Darby, he called Darby a school shooter he, again. I'm like, dude, that's over the line. But this is this is what this co- this is what wrestling is. Yeah,
3: yeah. Th- there's times that I think he goes like. Th- there's lines that I think it's more so it uh, it it works in reverse. Like I think there are, are times like it doesn't have the the intended effect. But uh, nonetheless, like that that's part of the character. It's like how far you go, and sometimes you'll go over it, and sometimes not. But that's um, I think that it, what you mentioned, Braden. Like that is an added part of the appeal that there is an audience that wants to hear this guy go, how much, how far he will go, uh, because he will touch on, uh, subjects that you don't think
0: are expected in a pro wrestling promo. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet, smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd smart money podcast.
1: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
3: Next, we go to best event of the year. So in 2020, Davey and I chose day 13 of the G1 Climax in Osaka. Braden, you chose uh, Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, night one, and NXT Halloween Havoc. It was a tie. You did all your tabulations and they were identical cards in terms of quality. Yeah, and Wei, yeah. you chose AEW Revolution, which featured the great tag with Omega and Hangman against the Young Bucks um as you know, the standout match on that card. Uh this year, best event, we will start off with Davey.
4: Uh I was quite torn between two events here and they were both AEW and they weren't actually the, the events I went to, but I think I'm going to lean towards winter is coming. Um, I, I feel sometimes what, what brings the AEW pay-per-views down a little is there's a couple too many matches. And then when I'm looking top to bottom, I'm like, can I really justify that being best event of the year, uh, when there's some of these matches on. Winter is coming. You had the Hangman versus Brian match, uh, which obviously was took up most of the show and was awesome. But I really enjoyed MJF versus Dante Martin in the main event. And Deeb versus Shida, it, it might not have been the best match they had. I think the the crowd was slightly like fatigued from the the kind of hangman Brian match, but they've had an incredible feud this year and some really good matches. So just two hours just like whizzing by with one of the best matches of the year on the show. I'm going to go with Winter Is Coming.
3: Yes, time is always a, a valuable consideration when it comes to what what are they taking out of my life uh, for this show? It better it better be worth it. Uh, next, we go to Waiting with Best Event of 2021.
0: I went to AEW All Out for my choice. Um, of course, this is the one that featured the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bot. It also featured CM Punk's debut against Darby Allen. Um, those two things I think were already highlights of the year that might have put this show into consideration, but it was the conclusion with the debut of Brian Danielson and Adam Cole as a one-two punch, and let's not forget Ruby Soho debuting in the uh, women's uh, uh, the Casino Battle Royal as well. Um, all of these things together I think just put the company and really the wrestling world at such a fever pitch that um, it really felt like a level of buzz coming off of a premium live event that I haven't really felt in (laughs) ever. So uh, it was pretty enjoyed.
3: Yes. Yes. Uh, I'll I'll follow that. I chose AEW all out as well. I mean, it was a tremendous wrestling card. Um, You know, even, you know, they, with Miro and Eddie Kingston uh, kicking off the main show, that was like an excellent opener. Um, Maybe the best cage match I've I've ever seen in my life with the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks, Uh, Ruby Soho's debut that you mentioned, Punk and Darby Allen, I thought was like a really fun match as well. For all the negativity, Paul White and QT Marshall was all it needed to be. It was not, to me, a detriment to the show. It was very quick. And then you got that incredible Kenny Omega-Christian Cage match with all of the surprises that led to AEW's biggest month in their history in September. But I also do want to give honorable mentions to Night 2 of Wrestle Kingdom that had uh, Abushi's win over Jay White. Peromu and Taiji Shimori, that was a fantastic match. Sonata and Evil and Shingo Takagi and Jeff Cobb. That was a very solid card. And some love for NXT. Vengeance Day was an amazing takeover special. Uh Finn Balor and Pete Dunne, Io Shirai against Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm, uh MSK and Grizzled Young Vets was a phenomenal tag for the the championships and then Johnny Gargano and Kushida. So, uh rest
4: in peace, uh Black and Gold.
2: Oh, re- yeah, wow. I for completely forgot Th- this
4: about that. This is a positive show, guys. Come on, don't get me <sighs> sad. I get sad every Tuesday. Come yeah, on. Come on, man.
2: <laughs> Rating your best event? Yeah, honestly, Wrestle Kingdom Night Two was was pretty awesome. It's funny, you both picked All Out and Davey picked Winter Is Coming, even though he was at All Out. I think All Out was this like pivotal change. I had so many people who who are the, the fans that stopped watching five to ten years ago. Who messaged me and were like, Hey, what's the deal with this AEW stuff? A sorry, ANW, as lots of the non fans are A and W, A and wrestling. They said, CM Punk's back and and Adam Cole and, and and now Daniel Bryan is there too? Like what's going on? It felt like this this literal change of the what what did Moxley call it? The paradigm shift. It literally felt like the next Start. It was the end of the the second chapter of AEW and the start of something totally new. And this was only, what, in September? I thought that was really good. I really liked Full Gear as well. It had the Darby MJF and then it had the Kenny Hangman as That was well. my second...
4: That was what I was doing yeah. between that and Winter is
2: Coming. It was really good. I will say I, I went to an event. We also went to um, Grand Slam. And just going there at this tennis stadium felt like a WrestleMania. There was... There was this like feeling in the air. Everyone was just so excited to to go to something that felt really special. Yeah, it was just a TV taping and live event, but it, it felt like it was some next big thing. So I have to give a mention to that. But you know what? I'm going to go with All Out as well just because of how important I think it was to this year. And how crazy it was it that you had Adam Cole come out and then Daniel – like Danielson. It's just – it just blew everybody. Daniel in. Danielson. Daniel Danielson. Daniel Day Danielson. Still don't know the name right. <laughs> I still can never
3: time. call him. but I love the name. Yeah. Daniel Day Danielson. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Uh, uh, a bunch of different uh, shows that – I mean that that's one thing you can say. It's like there is so much great wrestling out there and it's not limited to just one company either. Like there's a lot – uh, out there uh, if you want to seek it out the the stardom dream queendom show that i just watched uh this past week uh that would be a solid contender uh for show of the year but we go now to best feud last year uh both myself and brayden chose edge and randy orton way you went with roman reigns versus jay uso and Davey had Rey mysterio versus seth rollins
2: the eye the eyeball right <laughs> yeah <laughs> Davey
3: had an eye for that one, yes. Yeah. Uh, best feud of 2021. I will start off uh, this one. Um, I give an honorable mention to Nick Gage and Matt Cardona. Like, I really enjoyed the stuff they did and just watching uh, watching the Homecoming show and just how much, uh, you know, Game Changer had a great year, and I thought that that was, like, a really... Uh, engaging feud that people got mm. into but my cho- my choice for feud of the year Utami Hayishta and Shuri who had um, a whole series of matches this year uh, I think it got everybody's attention with the 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 double knockout in June and really expanded stardom's business. They came back with the five-star Grand Prix 20-minute draw, and it culminated uh, this past week at Sumo Hall with Shuri winning the championship, ending the 400-plus-day reign of uh, Hayashta. And it was a feud that, honestly, like stardom is in. They were definitely elevated this year because of this feud, because of the growth of stardom world. And this was a program that did everything it was designed to do and I think greatly, um, overachieved what anyone could have expected um, that this program was going to be. It was not going to be these two at the end of the year, and it ended up, they, they went with this as the option, and I think it paid off in a, in a huge way. So let's go to Davey with his best feud of the year.
4: Uh, I've already kind of mentioned it earlier with the Brian Mann video, but Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, um, this is one that's, I mean, you could argue that this is a feud that isn't even just 2021. It's been going since the since before AEW started with Hangman like leaving the elite in the in the bte videos um but yeah i think it's it's had a really good build over time it's uh they've they've been building it and building it to when the crowd just really really wanted it um you could have argued obviously if, if hangman didn't have a kid this would have been maybe the the top of all out maybe and they'd have got it a bit earlier um, but I, I think the the match at the end delivered um, and yeah, it's just been great storytelling beginning to end. And I feel obviously we'll get another chapter down the line at some point once Kenny's back, but it's been really engaging and uh, good work from both guys. Where did you go, Braden? Yeah, I went with the same
2: thing. I can't recall a, a feud going on this long, whether it like stops and starts. I mean, you had the whole hangman disappears they had they took him out he lost his title shot with the dark order and then he, he was gone and then christian came into the title shot picture with kenny and and then they came back to it and it was just everything in about it was like almost perfect even with hangman kind of leaving for a bit of course we all wanted that match at all out but to make us wait for it even longer the the only thing i did i, I kind of don't like and i'm sorry if i'm like a, an evil person but i wish hangman didn't win I wish Hangman was like Masawa Kawada here because I want to see them do it in like another two years. And now, I mean, obviously Hangman beating Kenny, you, you have that story and it's kind of 1-1 one, one in, in the, in the mm-hmm. story. So there is still this like big rubber match down the line. But I, I love the fact that it went on for so long and the, the little things. It, again, it kind of reminds me of these, these Marvel movies. If you check into one of these MCU movies, you, you enjoy the movie. But if you know, if you've been watching all the little things leading up to it, it adds little tiny things to this thing. And it's like it it blows my mind of how like meta and how intricate these these guys get with this this feud. And I I love Kenny is one of my all time favorites. And Hangman is just totally broad in the past few years and the matches as well. But the feud is so engaging, like you said, like i have to see
4: what happens the inclusion of dark order as well like who'd have thought that debut of dark order where it was that that episode of dynamite around christmas time that everyone was like what the fuck is this group who are these people yeah was so against it and just the kind of uh organic natural growth and relationship with hangman where it was such a feel-good moment at the end yeah um, what about best? Sorry, but best entrance has
2: to be that that one where the elite were the the what the monster squad, the Looney Tunes, the Space Jam. Yeah. But the elite had the the cowboy, like the, the ring, like, yeah, yeah, like the, the almost like a car commercial with the it's cowboy music, or the the full gear one where they're all like the Dark Orders running, and you see Hangman on the horse Going and stuff, the like just little things just make it such such an interesting. Again, fans who wrestling friends of mine who who check out of wrestling. Were like asking me like, "Hey, what's the deal with this?" Because I watch clips online, and this looks so so good. I have to watch this, and I, I thought they did a great job of making me. T- you're 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 trying to make me tune in every week, and this storyline definitely made me do that.
3: Wait, did you continue the trend with Hangman and Omega? Or did you have a different feud for the year?
0: No, Kenny versus Hangman. My choice. All right, there you go. Uh, three votes
3: for Hangman, Page, and Kenny Omega. Next, we go to best promotion. Last year, we all chose AEW. Uh, is it unanimous in 2021? Because that was my pick.
4: I mean, I think MLW had a hell of a year. So no, 2.0 was great.
2: <laughs> so good. No, yeah, AEW. AEW. Yeah. They make me, what? like, it's fun to be a fan again with this company, honestly. Why don't
3: I throw it at, at you guys this way? What are the challenges for AEW in 2022? I'll start with uh, with way
0: challenges well I mean they certainly have a bit of a PR nightmare um, on, on them to close off the year so uh, I would say having honest conversations and having direct conversations about diversity is very important and and you know there there are arguments that fall on both sides of that um, of that um, and but but I think there's there's a lot of um, there's certainly um, dissatisfaction. Um, that I think needs to be addressed in a public forum. Um, and, you know, Tony Khan is somebody who does plenty of interviews. I hope that, you know, the next time he does one of these long sit-downs, uh, we have a interesting conversation uh, where, where we get to not just maybe have his thoughts, but maybe discourse with somebody from an opposing viewpoint. So that, I would say, was probably number one.
3: I, I think, like, just the overall, like... You know, we, we've seen like the the first wave of talent that came in. Like, we're going to see a lot of contracts that come due. And is there going to be like who's going to be renewed? Because it's it's a bloated roster, and I don't think you're going to keep all of those people happy. And I think like that's where it's going to become. I think you know Tony Khan has said as much that we're going to have to be a bit more judicious of who we bring in uh, to the company because uh, it's it's just an embarrassment of riches when you look at the the roster depth. But I think like. It's only a matter of time before you are going to get that dissatisfaction from, you know, wrestlers that are only getting X amount of matches or they're relegated to YouTube and want to be doing more. Um, so I, I think that will be something to, to navigate as well as, you know, just the idea of producing more television, doing these quarterly specials, building to the pay per views. Like there are more masters to serve. And like one thing I, I look at long term is that, you know, Tony Khan has demonstrated himself to be. Uh, a tremendous booker, but all bookers, uh, there is inevitable burnout that, that comes with it as well. And is there going to be that burnout for a guy that has a ton of irons in the fire, but has been going at that rate for since the inception of AEW? Like that, that is another question is just if you inevitably hit hit that burnout, uh, that would, I think, have a major impact on on AEW week to week. I think
2: a burnout is don't white claw and tweet. Yeah. Might be a thing. Put put your phone away on New Year's Eve, you know? Street fight tonight! Nine days. I I, I love love AEW, and I think a a criticism... I I agree with everything you guys just said, but something I find is, if I'm giving it some criticism, is it's a two-hour show every Wednesday night, and for some reason, I feel like sometimes I'm watching it on 1.5 when I'm not, because it'll go from a segment to a segment to a segment, and I'm supposed to catch up on every little thing. It's like maybe just save certain things for a different show.
4: Ten matches yelled at you over the course of the next Hey (laughs) Rampage,
2: if you're gonna miss this, it's like, yo,
4: yo, I okay. All right. I get it. I wonder I wonder how much I mean I I know listening to Rewinded Dynamite, you you guys feel the same with that. And when noting it (laughs) especially, it's like fucking hell. I wonder just if people just it's one sat of the reason, it's, it's one have of, the same feeling, or yeah. whether it's more because we are we are noting it and we are looking more in detail, where we feel I, like overwhelmed by it all.
3: I think there is some of that, but I also feel like Rampage to me is like a more paced out show. Like I feel that hour, even though they have less time, it, it's it feels like they are they're not throwing so much at you i'm i'm sure there's like aberrations to that but but dynamite i mean listen dynamite's still my show of the year but yeah that i think like there are weeks that granted we are we are taking notes we are not the average consumer of this show uh but i would wonder if you're not taking notes how much how much of this information are you retaining where and and all of these angles like if you shoot Eight angles on a show, I doubt you're remembering eight angles after two hours, and it's,
0: it's sort of, you know, what is your your priority? I think that's that's certainly a criticism. I think breathing space is important on any show, um, and, you know, I, I learned a lot from, like, watching wrestling from the past week and not having to take notes, where, I mean, after that street fight between, uh, you know, the Ty- TJ and uh, uh, Penelope Florida and uh, uh, the, the bunny, bunny like, they just cut right away from that. I mean, you know, like I think lingering on some of the 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 result of of that bloody violent wonderful mess would have really benefited the match itself. I instead. would have loved
3: to come back from the commercial and you mm-hmm. hear from the winners or you hear from the losers. Like you have a segment to like digest what we have just seen. Like they just went through this yeah. war and now we're going to see the after effects of it. I
2: I Well, mi- well, I mean they needed to have time for Cody's entrance, guys. So you need to cut everything else because it feels like whenever there's Cody, you you cut out entrances of everybody else and then wait five minutes for him to come to the ring. But I I I know we're we're giving we're supposed to be giving praise because we're all picking it as the best uh, promotion. And I do think that still uh, even our little criticisms they've been just again making me just ha- having fun to be that wrestling for me is a, is a form of entertainment. You could say it's a form of art. This is supposed to be an escape for a lot of people. And it is for me. I tune in every week. Yeah, we do podcasts and stuff, but I tune in because I'm supposed to enjoy it. And this company literally, it does that. It makes me go, wow, I can't wait to talk to my friends about this show because it was awesome. I can't wait to to watch next week or the pay-per-view. Like, gladly take my money, TK, because I, I love watching this this program. And I can't say the same before this thing was around. Like WWE has burned me out a long, long time ago. And I feel like this one just is, it's almost refreshing. And I go, we're pointing out a lot of criticisms, but it it makes it so much fun to watch. That's what this is supposed to be. And I think they're doing a really good job at that.
3: Okay. Next up is best tag team. Last year, all four of us chose the young bucks, um, I went with the young bucks again. I thought they were outstanding this year. I think that any t- they have been able to balance, I think a great um, new balance. Uh, a, a a new balance, yes, but like when they wrestle on TV, it still feels special, and it's not like it's it's a rarity that they wrestle either um it's it's still frequent enough, so they've ma- managed to balance that the amount of six mans they had this year, whether it was with Kenny and then later with Adam Cole, I think they're like the best six mans that you're going to see um they've just you can throw them in with any tag team. Um, I think like the heel turn, it was very somewhat abrupt, but it to me is like a, a total refresh of them. And I think they've like just the, the fashion choices they have made uh, (laughs) have made them really entertaining characters. But uh, to me, it's, uh, they are clearly the still the best tag team in the industry. Davey.
4: Yeah. The, the young bucks for me, um, I think they've, I mean, obviously the, the cage match against Lucha brothers, uh, but going back earlier in the year, the, the match on Dynamite with uh Kazarian and uh Christopher Daniels really enjoyed and I think the the heel turn was much, much needed. I was very down on their characters, I was very down on their when they were baby faces but super kicking Tony Schiavone and that kind of thing, it was like they it was a bit of a mess. Whereas I think there's so much more focus now as a as a proper heel dickhead tag team. And I mean, you. Every time they're in the ring, like they the hot openers on Dynamite they have their their pay per view matches. They always feel special. I I can't really think of any any other team uh, I'd consider this year. Waiting.
0: Uh, I went with FTR this year. Um, I think they're to me a team that are not just incredibly active in ring. You know, anytime they get paired with. AEW is very much known, I think, for a certain style of wrestling, but FTR is kind of counter to it, yet they match so perfectly well with almost every single team in that company that I always look forward to their matches. But beyond that, I think they've taken much bigger uh, presences uh, as far as characters and personalities go, being a part of the pinnacle, having Tully behind them, and seemingly being involved in like five different storylines at the very same time. Um, So I I, I thought they had a really great year, so my choice is FTR.
2: Braden? Yeah, uh, I don't I don't know. Kyle how Riley m- <laughs> and Von Wagner in the woods. Come Tuesday. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, that we'll talk about that maybe on the worst of show. But uh I, I don't know how many years in a row a bunch of us has picked the young bucks, but I'm picking them as well for all the, the same reasons you guys did. Especially again, these guys are they're heels, so they're you're, they're trying to get a ride. Ro- I don't think people realize they're always working. The whole thing with their Twitter the Twitter thing, like new bio and stuff, they're working you. If you're getting angry at them, they're working you. That's I'm sorry. That's what they're doing. And they're getting a rise out of people. And it's so good to watch. The fact that these guys come out with the danglies and the dyed facial hair and everything. I'm like, you look like absolute skis balls. And i Is I'm that here- a Home
3: Alone reference? The danglies? The
2: the danglies, yeah. The, the whole <laughs> danglies, the whole box full of them. Yeah. Dangly ones. <laughs> the dangly ones. They got the danglies. And they're like... Part of me goes, wow! If I wanted to be a, an, an, you know, a bad guy, should I look like that? Do I need to get pink facial hair? Do I need to do all this? Like, there. But then when it comes to the matches, like you said, there's the match with um, Rocky Romero and, and someone just recently. Like they they always deliver in their matches, and they're just the characters. Even Brandon Cutler, like I hate him. So is it is it are they I doing their Brandon job? I think Brandon Cutler's amazing. Yeah, I love exactly. Like I know there's so many people who are like, oh, this guy's such a like just a goofball i'm like that's that's what he that's his character so th- again they're working yeah. you yeah. they're getting you and i i think they're doing a fantastic job and they've also i don't want to say they've taken a back seat because they, they still have been featured heavily but especially the stuff with adam cole and like i used to love watching them in ring of honor and stuff like that and seeing this reform just makes me like go wow you guys are assholes and the whole kissing thing on each cheek is hilarious and i i, I think they're great but to to way like i also love ftr because they have been doing a, a pretty bang up job and and way what do you think of ftr's new theme song
0: i think it's great it's called back to jojo Moroder and the midnight express and uh just kind of fits with the retro vibe yeah what do you think
2: yeah no because i think it's great i watched mm. uh, them come out with it and at first i was like oh i don't know about this new one and then now I'm like, oh, oh, you're He's totally, catchy. yeah, you're you're from the '80s. I, I dig it, I like it, but yeah, tag team wrestling for for me is just basically those those teams. Where in WWE, who are the tag teams? There's RK Bro. Got to give an honorable mention to them, you know, with the Scooters and and the Camel, but still Young Bucks.
0: We got to mention the Lucha Brothers as well. Yeah, we know? do. Like, um, maybe maybe like. I, I would say maybe a point of criticism is, you know, despite the fact that they're the champions, I don't think their presences on Dynamite or Rampage are that big. um So hopefully that that changes. But, you know, looking at how active they've been, not just in AEW, but in AAA as well, like this is a team who's had a really tremendous year as well, but might not get as much mention maybe on this side of the, of the, uh, I guess, uh I don't know, North America.
3: Best female wrestler. Last year, uh, we had... Wei and Davey choosing Sasha Banks. Braden, you chose Io Shirai, and I had uh, Meo Iwatani from Stardom. So this year, uh, we will start off with Wei, with Best Female Wrestler of the Year.
0: Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with Shiri for this one. You know, this is a promotion that I'm not really watching that often, but um, the matches that uh, everybody mentions, I do go out of my, my way to watch, and this these are performances from uh, a wrestler that I just don't think are matched in any other promotion as great as Britt Baker is, as great as uh I think Bianca Belair is. Um there are no in ring performances that match the uh hour, two hour however long it is plus um in, in the trilogy that she's had with the Tommy Hayashishida so uh she's my best wrestler of twenty twenty one.
3: Uh I'm going with her uh her Accomplice this year I went with the uh, Tommy Hayashta who held the World of Stardom Championship almost for the entire year losing it on December 29th uh, big title matches this year beyond the trilogy uh, with Shuri uh, had a, a huge match with, with Micah at the beginning of the year Saya Matani at Budokan Hall the B Priestley match in April Takumi Aroha as well as uh, her performance in the five star Grand Prix. And was their champion in a year that saw Stardom grow. Uh, I think Utami and Shuri, you could go either way. Um uh, that would be my my second pick. Uh but Utami was my selection. Brayden, your best female wrestler of 2021.
2: I mean, Julia got her head shaved. That's gotta count for something too. But uh I I am I'm kind of at a tie for for this one. Um because in in AEW was the most prominent show I watched. Like I watched every single week. Whereas I don't watch WWE programming every week, yeah, NXT, but I don't watch Raw or SmackDown. But something still grabbed me from WWE this year, and it was Bianca Belair. I absolutely loved the main event of WrestleMania between Bianca and Sasha Banks. I, 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 I loved it. I loved it so much. And then they, they made me so mad just months later, so it made me go, ah, I don't want to, why am I, why do I keep going back to you? It's like the X, you just keep trying back and no, stop. I can't because they did, they did Bianca so dirty. We'll talk about it next week on the worst of show, but Britt Baker and AEW was just fantastic. So I almost want to want to say both because Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker was an awesome feud. That's still not nowhere being done. That's the hangman Kenny uh, of the women's division almost. Um, but then there's others like uh, Deep is someone who I'm just like, every time you wrestle, I have to watch you because you're just just phenomenal. But uh, I, I'm honestly, this is the only category where I'm literally picking Britt Baker and Bianca Belair because uh, I thought they both had pockets of the year that different times that definitely stood out for me. But the, the main event of WrestleMania uh, made me go Bianca because Bianca and NXT was, was getting there and... I hope, I hope she can get there again with, with whatever monkey booking they've been doing. And WWE, the back-and-forth Mickey Mouse stuff is just so annoying. And I hope, I hope we get to see her get back into that role. And Davey, you're yeah, the best female I, wrestler.
4: I feel um, this year there's, there's a lot of incredible female talent out there. But North America, I don't think anyone's had a, a real home run. And that's been due to booking. I think Bianca Belair at the start of the year was like a, a shoe in for me, like to to win Best Female Wrestler of the Year. But it, it just, after SummerSlam, she's not really, really come back. I think Charlotte can be incredible. She had a really good match against Rhea Ripley, but on top of that, she'll have the the stupid stuff with Nia, the, the belt exchange, all of that. Io has been very much in the background in NXT. Um I uh, I've seen a few of the stardom matches this year, which I've loved, but I don't I don't feel I follow it enough to really justify giving that. So and Britt Baker, I think she's a phenomenal presence and such a good character, and she's 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 good in the ring. And like I love the the Thunder Rosa match, but has she delivered enough in ring for me to really say her? And I I don't think so. So I I think there has been a bit of a regression this year with women's wrestling, and that's not. A fault on the talent it's just how they've been positioned but someone and, and you mentioned her Braden. someone who every single match no matter who it's against i somehow get invested and it it can be just a match with absolutely nothing on no stakes at all and it's just a random match on dynamite and that's serena deep i think she's incredible and i really hope uh she's kind of i think if Ruby Soho can win this TBS championship, I think a Ruby Soho-Serena Deeb feud for that title as the first kind of big story for that would be great because I I find her so enjoyable and smooth in the ring against whoever, whoever she's against. So a little understated. Again, like, I wish there were kind of bigger stories there. And I, I think, I hope next year, WWE, I still think has... Probably the best, well, it does have the best women's roster in North America, in my opinion. Um, but they need to do better. Like, we need less 50-50 booking. We need, like, less fucking swerves and 20-second wins. Sorry, and the, the women's
2: it, tournament, like, what was the total yeah, time of that tournament? Absolutely. Like, 20 minutes for a whole tournament? Like, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's so stupid. So, so Deeb
4: is my point. Wow.
3: Four different picks for best female wrestler of the year. We will see if we all have different picks for best male wrestler of the year in 2020. Way and Braden chose John Moxley. Davey went with Kota Ibushi, and I selected Minoru Suzuki. And I don't think there will be any repeat picks in 2021. Uh, we will start things off with Braden Harrington with his best male wrestler of 2021.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, honorable mention for me has to go to the belt collector. The God of pro wrestling, self-proclaimed. Uh Kenny Omega, he, he again, he had such a year. The the focus mm-hmm. on him, whether you liked it or not, he had a lot of great matches, whether it was pay-per-view or a lot of these like special dynamites or the the title defenses and all these other companies. It was just such such an interesting take and and had me glued no matter what. Even some of the stuff I didn't like from him. But I'm going with a different pick. That was my honorable mention, because I'm going with a guy who not only main evented a WrestleMania this year, but then left and went to AEW, the promised land and emerged a completely different man. And that is Brian Danielson. He just, every time he wrestles now, I have to watch from the first match with Kenny to the Suzuki match, just everything. I even liked his match with Roman in his farewell match for SmackDown. Just everything this guy does is awesome. And seeing him in AEW just, brings a smile to my face and watch watching him kick people's heads in as he says is just so entertaining to me uh, even the the late heel run that he's been doing at the end of this year has just been awesome but I, this guy like how did you go from one company you, you were brian danielson there you were you were soft you were that guy for a long time you were imagine dragons And then now you're coming to AEW and you're you're Metallica again. You're like you're badass. You're you're kicking people's heads in like you said you are. It's just it's night and day. And I I I love this iteration of him. It's like he took a break for nine years and now the dragon is back. And I can't wait to see where he goes. He says he's wrestling for three more years from the start of his AEW contract. Like buckle in if you're a fan because this guy is just awesome. The American Dragon.
0: Wait,
3: if you had tickets to see Imagine Dragons, would you try and get tickets for Maroon Five instead? (laughs)
0: um <laughs> uh, maybe yeah i don't know i'm all just, caught up i'm all caught up yeah wonderful awesome awesome uh
2: i listened talk- to that yesterday
4: as well actually i, I get Wait, i don't know what you're talking yeah, about yeah you don't listen to their shows <laughs> it's okay, okay. It's okay, i okay. Uh, I,
3: I went nuts during my break and watched all six episodes of hawkeye in the span of two days and then i listened to all six podcasts and guys wow. until you've listened to that many hours of wh park no <laughs> Like, I got every rant. It was like, I almost wanted to do a countdown list of WH Park just from that series alone and all the things he ranted about. It's just like, dude, you just throw him, like, some steak and he's on top of it. Like, uh, uh
0: it was unbelievable. The LARPers. We'll, we'll go LARPing at zombies at some point.
2: I, I just... Gone. I just, I just can't help but listen to a guy call people nerds while being the biggest nerd I possibly know. That is, it is the big so irony, funny. Yeah, it's very it? ironic, and I hope he knows that. <laughs> I hope it's like Cody Rhodes. He knows what he's doing. But I don't think that's the case. Nerd, l- l- look at look at Braden just getting worked here. Um,
3: I will go next here. Uh, my honorable mention was Kenny Omega, who I thought had a terrific year, not just uh, in the ring with the matches uh, with Phoenix. Ninety-eight uh, percent of the match with John Moxley at the Exploding Barbed Wire Death <laughs> Match. Uh, Jungle Boy on TV, the Christian matches, the Danielson draw, Hangman, Uh, but we also saw, um, as was noted, all four AEW pay-per-views outdid the pay-per-view the year prior. Now, I don't give Kenny Omega the credit for every single one of those, but with Moxley, the exploding barbed wire deathmatch, 100%, uh, with the Hangman page match, that was that and Punk and Kingston to me were the big draws of that show. And I I mean, he was still your champion defending the title on the other two shows uh, as well. So I think business wise, he had a big year. And as we have brought up, like going to triple a going to impact, I mean, he was all over the place this year, but my selection for wrestler of the year was Shingo Takagi who had, uh, started off his year with that match with Jeff Cobb at Wrestle Kingdom on the second night, had an unbelievable match with Hiroshi Tanahashi at the end of the at the end of January and then had the matches with Okada, the two with Will Ospreay that were match of the year contenders, a very strong G1 where he had matches with uh, Ishii which was probably the best G1 match of the year, Abushi uh, and Zack Sabre Jr, the Zach matches that he had this year. I thought really showcased uh, a, w- a wide variety of just skill sets uh, uh, on both men um, got a good match out of the great Okan in the G one. So, and it was also just refreshing to see, you know, the, the way this all came about was like, you know, Will Ospreay was out and they had to create a new champion and you went with Shingo Takagi instead of just putting the belt back on Okada. And it was something fresh in the main event scene for new Japan, which I think they sorely needed. And Shingo Takagi was a bright spot on what was a very difficult year for new Japan pro wrestling. Wait, who is your male wrestler of the year?
0: I went with Brian Danielson as well. you know, somebody who um despite taking like a good chunk of the time off, uh, I think has really more than made up for that lack of time with a very active latter half of twenty twenty one and in terms of, I guess, you know, talking about somebody who went from main eventing at WrestleMania to all of a sudden, I think becoming even better by having tremendous storylines and tremendous matches um, with various members of this AEW roster. He's somebody who, you know, is, is just such an attraction. And to me, the dream matches that are available to him are still really barely, they barely scratch the surface of. So. There's that. There's the wonderful Dark Order hometown storyline that he was involved in that I've enjoyed almost every single match out of. We saw the guy transform from maybe one of the most beloved baby faces in the entire wrestling world to one of its best heels, I think, in in a very short amount of time as well. So he's been very active in the year uh, outside of, you know, maybe not necessarily doing a whole lot for five months, but he's made up for that uh, in strides. And Davey Bortman rounds out best male
3: wrestler of the year.
4: Yeah, Brian Danielson. I think any single match he has now is a dream match for me. Like it can be against anyone. I think uh you look back at his his WWE stuff as well. I I really enjoyed. I I feel Roman is the one of the only opponents in WWE where you see more of the American Dragon come out. I think Roman is someone who who isn't afraid of getting hit in the face and I think that's why I liked both of his matches against Roman this year and the, the triple threat at Mania. To headline Mania and then and then move like to another company just months later and have the calibre of matches he's had is quite incredible. And then wrestling it's it's a whole package as well. I think uh I think I voted for him for promo of the year a couple of years ago, and he's whether he's a babyface or a heel, he gets such great reactions, he seems so comfortable. Um Best merch of the year as well. That white t-shirt is <laughs> fucking fantastic. Just the whole package with this guy works. And sure, we didn't get Europe, uh, the final countdown, but his, his theme has even grown on me as well. So.
2: Yeah, they, they took away the, the, like, the lyrics from it, right? They just play the instrumental. But I think when he turns back to Babyface, you could put babyface. I mean, everyone's
4: chanting it anyway. Yeah, so yeah. It works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brian Danielson.
3: All right, there we go. Three choices for Brian Danielson and one for Shingo Takagi. What a dream
2: match that would be. I want to see that match. It's going to happen. I know it's happened in the Indies somewhere down before, but it needs to happen in the next year or two for sure. Dragon v. Dragon.
3: Well, we are getting into the big ones here. Match of the year. In 2020... Myself, Way, and Braden went with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against the Young Bucks from AEW Revolution in February of 2020, while Davey selected Kazuchika Okada against Kota Ibushi from night one of Wrestle Kingdom 14, a matchway that we attended live two years ago, and it feels like 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, boy. Um, Who should start? Let's start off with, uh, this is like the Elimination Chamber. The light is going to shine on waiting for match of the year.
0: I went with the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks from AEW All Out. Um, In the cage match, this was one where I wasn't really sure how it would go. You know, these are two teams that are high flyers, and I didn't exactly know how their style would fit inside a cage. And seemingly, I thought it made them even better. You know, their their speed, rather than being spread out, was just contained inside a bottle. And it was incredibly exciting um, just from the first half. But then in the second half, once they started to throw the uh, shoe with the thumbtacks in there, I uh, there's, there's one image from that match that I think I'll remember forever. And it's the face of a bloodied Penta with this mask half ripped off as he's, you know, bleeding through it, pleading. The Bucks not to kick his brother in the face with that thumbtacked shoe, um, so it 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 was uh, a match that I immediately went home and rewatched, and that doesn't happen too often, you know, doing what I do. So that was my pick.
3: Yeah, it was my pick as well. I again, this might have been the best cage match I have seen, and I think we all had those questions going in of this match: Does the cage? enhance the match or does it detract from it well they went out and made it as much a part of the match as you could possibly ask for and i think that as you know the quality of wrestling is through the roof we could go through and maybe your 50th best match this year would have been a match of the year 15 years ago that's where the quality is that i think it's going to be additional aspects of matches that are going to truly make them memorable that will elevate them to that level where you're remembering them at the end of the year and from the entrance for the lucha brothers the uh, that mikey ruckus produced you immediately had this feel of like this awesome entrance for the lucha brothers and then you had the moment afterwards of pentagon going up to his daughter in the in the crowd like just little things like that that made this such a such an emotional match on top of it and by the end like it was like in the moment, it just felt like one of the the best matches, and suddenly uh, I just thought, then and there, this is my match of the year, and uh, nothing topped it. I do want to give a few mentions. Uh, we talked about Utami and Shuri. I would isolate the June 12th match as their best one this year, uh, but also uh, Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. Um, you could go with either of their matches. I wrote down the Dantaku one in May. And uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov at TakeOver 36 um, in terms of best WWE match this year. That would have been my pick. Uh, but Davey, what was your match of the year?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those years where I I, I keep changing my pick, but I think I'm going to go for one which um, is... You, you I, were at the cage match. I was at the cage match, yeah. Uh, I And I haven't actually rewatched it. Wow. Um, but I, I will be for our show coming up. Um, I actually
3: appreciate, Davey, how you don't like lean on things that you like just because you were there live that that clinches it for you, that you look objectively that sometimes being live at a show, it's like you don't get the full impact of a match than than watching it at home i i prefer watching as opposed to being live but there's there's good and bad that comes with each of course i
4: also drink a lot of these shows john
3: (laughs) Um, look at me trying to be like objective and uh break down your criteria yeah Davey um, could have been drunk as well so that that could be a factor
4: but yeah i'm I'm gonna go with this one because it was one that like like way, afterwards, I after we did our show and everything, I went right back and, and watched this one and then showed to a friend later that week as well. And that's MJF versus Darby Allen from Full Gear. I loved this match. I, I love how it, it goes in different stages where it starts off with them. The whole story is is MJF's been trying to break Darby and and get kind of that kind of psycho out of him. And Darby's like, no, I'm going to wrestle you. We're going to have a wrestling match. You want to prove you're a wrestler. And the whole, like, just classic wrestling start of the match. And then it starts to get a bit crazy when MJF's, like, flipping off a guy in the crowd. And out of nowhere, Darby comes with that incredible Tope Suicida. And just the shot of it, the timing was was perfect. And then you have all the, the heel shtick at the end with the diamond ring and winning with a headlock takeover. Uh, I thought the story of the match was great. It was... I think it came in at like 21 minutes. It felt like a real sprint and really set the bar for that pay-per-view. I, yeah, I, I really loved this match. And I think it really, we've all known MJF as the talker, but I think that was the match that a lot of people opened their eyes and went, oh, this guy's actually really good at this. And both being such young guys, I think it's, it's really promising for the future and it's something we're going to go back to and, and and see this rivalry come up years and years down the line, but as the first meeting, I loved 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 this match.
3: Brayden, did you go with uh, something you saw live in person, or did you go elsewhere for match of the year?
2: Yeah, I, I know you were just talking about that, uh, and I think I think I have I have a list of so many matches, and I have to say Walter Dragonov too was so good that NXT shut down. <laughs> they were like, all right, there's no other match that's going to be that good. Follow this. Man. Yeah, they were done. It was the last takeover. It was, o- it's over. Sean was like, that's it. Ilya, go back to the yeah. UK. It's over. Guys, just stop. Let's bring That was the, the real gimmicks.
3: takeover at the end.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was, it was the last takeover. It was on the last takeover and it just blew me away. And I wouldn't, fault anyone for saying that was match of the year uh I, you mentioned Shingo and Ishii I couldn't believe my eyes watching that one that one killed uh Shingo versus Zack Sabre Jr. was this technical masterpiece as well the G1 particularly yeah I had one. cherry picking that that was good uh, Osprey Okada I I even loved Kota Ibushi and Jay White and I am not a huge Jay White fan but I thought that was like his 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 grand Opus, like this whole long ass match that some people don't really like. But then you could say the same thing about Hangman and Danielson. They went an hour and it went a draw, and I still ate up every single minute of it. But to go back on what you were talking about earlier, going to a show live sometimes can make it good. And the past, what, two and a half years of living in a pandemic, not being able to go to wrestling shows really got to me. So when we kind of knew this match was going to happen at a big tennis stadium, I had to go. I didn't care if I had to get tested on the way there. I didn't care that's, if I had that's to.
3: That's the new the new barometer. It's like, what match am I willing to, that's just, it. to swab up my nose? For? Exactly. <laughs>
2: Honestly, it was. Hey, wait. I got to get tested when I come back too. Okay. I don't care. I have to go see Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. And they started the show with it. So as soon as that match ended, I was done. I was like, cool. I'm out. Uh, good. When do I go home? I don't remember the rest of the show. I don't remember the rest of the show because I was (laughs) was just talking about that match. But
4: again, I I drink a lot, bro.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was really high at that match. That might have something to do with it, but it's okay. Uh, The tennis stadium vibe was awesome. But yeah, my match of the year, I I loved so many matches. That that cage match as well was great. But Mm. uh, selfishly, I am going selfishly with my pick because I did travel specifically for this match and it lived up to the hype. Danielson, Omega. Yeah, it went 30 minutes, wanting, leaving us wanting more and so much more. One day we'll go and get the rematch down the line in the next year or two or three. But just the 30-minute tie alone was something they don't... This was before the, the Page and Danielson 60-minute draw. So draws aren't something we usually do in wrestling in this modern era. So it was just amazing to see. Yeah, we've seen them wrestle years and years ago. But now it's like their their ultimate forms were meeting. And they didn't even hit most of their high spots. There wasn't even like main finisher moves and all this stuff. It was just them going at it. And I think the crowd helped. Being there live, it's something that I will just always re- remember. And John, you said it. like If I'm willing to travel and do all this still during a, a pandemic... And I was hoping it lived up to the hype. And uh, selfishly, it is my match of the year. Danielson and Kenny, I'll watch them wrestle for 60 minutes, 90 minutes. I'll watch Danielson wrestle anyone uh, after
4: watching this. I understand why they start the shows off with this match. And yeah. I think, I believe the Hangman Brian 2 is going to kick off Dynamite wow. as well. But there is something where I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I yet. wasn't like, ready. I, I wasn't feel ready. Like you just got in your seats and you're like, ah, this is now. Uh, Ugh. Well, it was good. It's good for the
2: it's good for the smokers because you know you go in right before you go in you you have your smoke and then you go in and then they're like, hey, we're starting with it. You're like, all right, well, I'm primed and ready to watch two of the greatest of all time wrestle, and uh, that's what I got out of it. Is it the ultimate best match ever in the entire galaxy of the world and all that? Maybe not, but to me, it was a five star classic. I, I absolutely loved it, so that is my pick: Grand Slam.
3: And Davey where can people listen to a whole list? Of best matches ever this
4: past Ooh. year Yes, we're gonna It's, it's slightly delayed uh, due to uh, COVID restrictions <laughs> um, Card subject to change But yeah, uh, we're doing our A two-parter top 10 Best match ever of 2021 um, This week on the Patreon Patreon.com slash up next And this is as voted By our listeners and Ourselves So Yeah, two-parter um, so uh, even though these are our two top picks, they might not even crack the top five. Who knows? Because it's it's listeners votes as well.
3: All right. And if you sign up for that Patreon, you can go back and listen to our review of Home Alone, which I actually listened back to that show. And I was awesome on that show. I was, like, I was on point. I made myself laugh many times. I mean, I was the star of that show. Uh and doing it with Davey and Brayden as well. So go check out the review uh, of Home Alone. you. is
2: will. that high praise that there? <laughs> yeah. He loves himself <laughs> yes. on our Patreon show. Yeah, Dave, I love Davian and Brayden lo- carried it. <laughs> I loved Way joining us for best match ever SmackDown Six. Oh yeah, that oh, was yeah. Uh, that was awesome. As, as Way well. picks
3: his spots, but when he comes out, man, he comes all guns blazing, its and it's quality content.
2: While we're on this subject, I'm sorry, I'm going to toot my own horn and Davy's horn here because uh, we did a podcast with Damian Abraham. We called it Best deathmatch ever and we cover all the craziest deathmatch stuff go check it out it's on the free feed actually as well we put it up there that was probably my favorite podcast we did this year because we covered piranha deathmatch light tubes samoa joe necro butcher just everything in the world of deathmatch we covered and i thought that was just awesome to do so anyone who's interested in that go listen to that one too please
3: (laughs) all right it has all come down to this it's going on last the smokers have had a chance to go out and now it is time for biggest story of 2021. Uh the choices last year, uh I chose uh the speaking out movement as did Brayden. Uh Way chose the death of Hana Kimura, and Davey, citing he wanted to choose something positive, said Edge returning in 2020. <laughs> fair, which fair. my god does that feel so long ago. Yeah. But again, that was uh January 2020. Uh this year biggest story of the year, we're going to kick things off with Davey.
4: Uh I mean, again, I'm gonna keep it positive. Uh, I think the the firings is is something that was been pretty big throughout the whole year. Uh but it's gotta be CM Punk's return. Uh for me, like the the Brian Danielson move excites me more as a wrestling fan of the the potential matches we're gonna get. But uh Punk returning to wrestling, going to AEW, and and what I've loved seeing is seeing him in the Sting makeup the other week. Just like filled my heart with joy because you saw how how against returning to wrestling this guy was how how much this guy seemed to now hate professional wrestling the thing he once loved and to be in a company now where he can embrace that and refine his his passion for something is has been amazing to watch and that whole like United Center rampage was that just his entrance I've seen so many times but. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm someone who considers myself an artist, and I've, like, I've definitely lost the passion with acting before, and it's something that I want to find again and get back, and seeing someone like Punk just fall in love with wrestling all over again is is fucking awesome, and has been, yeah, such a huge story this year. Who'd have thought it?
0: Way, what was your biggest story of the year? Same as Davey. CM Punk's return. Uh, it was uh, an event that I think, you know, like I, I can draw analogies to how much buzz there was for this thing that I think everybody knew, was expecting to happen but weren't exactly sure. Um, it felt very much like the buzz for Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, our little version of it in the wrestling world. And beyond that, I think it was the follow-up from All Out as well with his match with Darby Allen, and then the match with Eddie Kingston at Full Gear that I think really cemented what felt like um, the biggest figure in at least you know from a conversational standpoint in professional wrestling this year.
2: Brayden. Yeah, it's the same. I mean, CM Punk is a great talker and when he showed up for that first dance, it was just this like you're just shocked. You it, you you wouldn't believe this if you told yourself last year or 2 years ago. So again, so many fans who stopped watching 5 to 10 years ago were messaging me or or tuning into the the YouTube clips and, and everything and it I think I, I agree with Davey. I'm a bit more excited about Danielson because of all these dream matches that we've had and will continue to have. But Punk just being there, just having Punk in their corner adds so much to them. Even if he's talking every week or on commentary, like it adds so much. I was a little let down with the Darby Allin match. I didn't really care for it. But when he had the match with Eddie Kingston, I was like, there you are. That was a war. And the the, the bloody face and everything, I was like, man, that's the Punk I remember uh, I'm just waiting for that Pepsi plunge to come back. But honestly, it is the biggest story because no one would ever picture this. No one would ever imagine this happening. And, and it, and it did. It is exactly like No Way Home. It's like, Hey, look, it's going to happen. Hey, spoilers. Just, la, la, la. Just don't talk about it. <laughs> just don't talk about it. And maybe it will happen. And well, it did. So it was, it was just a, like, how many times have people watched that, that pop? Yeah. Chicago went wild for this guy. So yeah, just, just awesome to see him back.
3: Yeah, I mean, there were quite a number, I think, that you could go to. I think it was a real big story, WWE licensing the the network to Peacock, uh, like completely you know, changing their focus, like this WWE network, the strategy of building this thing up on our own. They realized we can only get to a certain point. It's a lot easier to just take a gigantic nine-figure deal uh, with Peacock, and they're going to try and do that internationally. The firings were a huge story for, I think, the just a changing way that talent is going to be dealt with in the company, uh, ROH and all that they have gone on huge question marks for the new year. This was a year where Christian and Katsuyori Shibata returned that I don't think too many people would have expected this year. Uh, but number one had to be CM Punk coming back. Um, I, I think like an all time memorable, uh, segment in wrestling history, uh, his return in Chicago, just the way it was done. I thought the promotion, it was just so perfect the way Everyone knew it was coming, but they left you with, like, that that shred of doubt where I don't know how deep they thought about it, but it was almost like they leaned on an audience that was so used to being disappointed that you had people that were actually clamoring for, I hope MJF comes out to his music and they don't have CM Punk. Like, what an awful idea. Like, that sounds like a <laughs> – we're not going to deliver what everyone wants. And instead, I think it really showed the hand of, yes, we are – like Tony Khan has said this before we are, it might not happen tonight, but we are going to give you that thing that you want and it's going to come. And that was just one of those moments. And it's been, it was a huge benefit for AEW to be able to bring punk back. As Davey mentioned, it seems like he's having the time of his life and, there was a long period I think he had probably justifiable reasons to detest this industry. And I did not want to see this guy come back if he did not want to be here. I think he had his reasons for staying away as long as he did. And he came back and he is—he was a giant uh, get for AEW in 2021. And that will wind down our best of 2021 program. Showcasing all the positive that the year had to bring. So we are all going to sit back. And come back next week and we are going to extinguish the negative out of us for 2021 next week. It is the worst of 2021. We will go through all of the relevant categories and see what you never want to remember from the year that was in 2021. So I want to thank Braden Harrington and Davey Portman from Up Next for joining us. They will be with us here uh, next week. And uh, once again, guys, where can they go support the Patreon?
4: Patreon Patreon.com slash up next. I'm thinking maybe we should just rename these shows. Is this the AEW show and join us next week for our WWE show? Next week's the NXT uh,
2: (laughs) 2.0 Best of Awards. No.
4: We're going to purge next week. Yeah, (laughs)
2: look, we we cover NXT, and NXT 2.0 is definitely through a curveball to us because we kind of focus on that. So just a reminder, you want a different take on Dynamite reviews? Well, every Wednesday, we go live on Twitch after Dynamite. We record BD Elite. It's also on our free feed. So you get uh, Up Next every Tuesday night and BD Elite every Wednesday night. And Shot in the Dark from John Cena on the free feed in 15 minutes or less watches everything else you don't watch And covers it and gives you the results and little tidbits and everything like that. But yeah, we do have a Patreon. We have Best Match Ever where we go through either like feuds or gimmicks or specific people and give our ratings and reviews and all that stuff. We do Was Next where we review retro NXT. We're currently in the middle of 2013. William Regal has returned. He's wrestling again. We get the
4: Sami Zayn Cesaro feud. We're all women's title tournament. The debut of Charlotte is coming up.
2: Uh, John, you mentioned you joined us for Home Alone. We do random movie reviews. We try to be pretty topical with some of the things that we do. So we do all sorts of different things. And it's only five bucks uh, for North American tier on our Patreon. And uh, it supports us. That's what we do uh, these days in a pandemic. And I know Christmas and the holidays have come and gone. But give yourself the gift that keeps on giving and support the BDE. Thank you. That is it.
3: That is it for the best of 2021. We'll speak with you next week for The Worst.